Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This show is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP and support my exclusive sponsor who keeps this podcast alive and get fantastic wines that you can't get anywhere else. Get 10% off your first order and listen in the middle of the show for more details. As we get started on the show, I need to give a patron shout out because this topic, although it's something that we should cover, is something I've hesitated to cover until patron Keith S. said you should cover Madeira. Even though it was a delicious part of your summer? Especially a delicious part of your summer. It was. It was more a delicious part of your summer than my summer, but we should have drank more. We should have. Although but we were exploring a lot of different things. We were exploring a lot of different places in Portugal and a lot of different wines. I think we probably drank a little more port than we did Madeira. Right. We can't misrepresent ourselves. We didn't go to Madeira. No, we didn't. And Unfortunately, I've never but we will. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. I'd like to go hopefully. to the Azores we also. We will. Yes. Both okay. of those are on the list. Okay. So fine, fine, fine. We're fine, going. Fine. Anyway, Keith gets a shout out for the encouragement to do the show. I think that I needed the little extra push. So here we are. And you know what? As we're talking about Patreon, which you should join, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wine for Normal People. I just want to say, please do not apologize if you join and say that you feel bad that you haven't joined until then. We are always happy to have you in the community. You do not have to feel like, oh, I feel bad that I never got around to it. We welcome you with open arms. Anytime is a great time. Yes. And especially some of the new people. And again, we're just doing people who have joined for the year on the list until we get to that three month mark. So John C, Kevin L, Mark C, Wendy D, Paul B, and Robert. John, especially who is a new patron, said you know what? I just found you and I joined Patreon immediately. I can't believe it, oh. No, he just found us and he's already being welcomed by the community and already took his first class and everything. Oh, so nice. It's amazing. Yes. Take advantage of what is here. And I think that it's not you will just us or you, it's all the other patrons too. Who are just so great. They're yes. amazing. We had a lot of new people in the Wines of Italy class this week and they were really surprised at how the community really comes together in the classes and on Patreon and everything well, else. So. And the tour. I mean, you you said that the group going to Italy is incredible, that you're uh, really excited about so uh, excited. getting together with this group. Yes. And and I think it's, it's really great. Lots of people have shown interest in the patron travel groups also. So I know that people have an interest in exploring other parts besides Italy, I would really like to explore some other things too. So we are going to be working on some other partnerships in the future, I promise, so that it's not just Italy. But for now, we are with Terissimo, who is my dear friends and great partners, and we have been able to provide the patrons with an awesome experience. So I'm really excited about that. But hopefully someday we will be able to do Portugal. I'm not sure about Madeira, but you just never 
know. This show is to cover the basics on Madeira. Now, if you're a super Madeira nerd, you may be like, well, this is too cursory, but I'm going to try my best to cover it in as detailed a fashion as I can. But it is a very complex wine, both in flavor and in production. And it's a in little history. island out in the middle of nowhere. How difficult well, could it be? It's actually a four-island archipelago, to be honest. Okay, it's I a don't group know if you of know islands. That. Yes. And it is off the coast, really, of Africa. And did you know there's only two inhabited islands, Madeira and Porto Santo? No, mm-hmm. I did yes, not Yes, out of the four, two are not really inhabited. So you're saying they're saving space for us. Right, you can have your own personal island. It's 600 miles or 1,100 kilometers from mainland Portugal and 367 miles or 590 kilometers off the coast of Morocco. So it is way closer to Africa than it is to Portugal, but Portugal claimed it. 32 degrees north latitude. We are just over the limit of where grapes can grow. We are in a subtropical climate. Just over the limit? 30 degrees north or south latitude is where you can grow grapes. And this is 32 degrees north latitude. Does it taste like it's barely within the acceptable range? No, but that's because it's a fortified wine and it's made in a very, very complex manner. What I want to say is that this is an important point. Madeira does make table wine of various grapes, not just the ones we're going to talk about for Madeira, the fortified wine, they are not available widely. So if you see the Maderense DOP, that is for unfortified wines. Now, in Portuguese, I wonder if it's Madurense. It might be that. Yeah, The DOP for unfortified wines. It's a small amount of wine. There's a little bit of sparkling wine even, a few more producers for those than for the fortified. They're allowed to use, like I said, a lot of different varieties in red and in white. And actually, I had a spectacular Matarense wine from Fita Preta, which I mentioned in the debrief on our Portugal trip in Alentejo. Really interesting. Huh, I don't and remember that it one. Is, yeah, look, you can't blame me for that. You were invited. My sister and I had a ball there. So, ha, you know, you couldn't go. You had to work. I'm just s- like why this podcast I'm is late it. today. All you, you all work. Sorry. Yes. Send me all hate right. mail. Nobody's sending you hate mail. So what we are talking about when we talk about Madeira, though, is fortified wine under the DOP the denomination of protected origin, Madeira. It is a wine that is fortified, aged under heat, and produced on the island of Madeira. What do you mean aged under heat? Like, it, Have you ever heard of matterized? In- a wine is matterized. It's a cooked note in the wine that sometimes tastes like stewed fruit or dried fruit or things like that. It comes from Madeira, and I'm going to explain this. The wine is aged in a heating system. It's usually, in high-quality wines, one grape, or mostly one grape. And it comes in a variety of styles. That's got to be terribly inefficient. Dry and medium dry, sweet, and then very sweet. Madeira fortified wines of high quality can keep practically forever. They have been known to survive for more than 200 years. There are even cases, I believe there's a Tarantes from 1715 that has been unearthed and tried. Wow. And still good. Wow. Now, one thing I want to get out of the way right now, cooking Madeira, 
that stuff that's four dollars and ninety nine cents in right. the grocery store U.S. Right, that is flavored with salt and pepper. That is for cooking. So it's this for is sauces. not like is this analogous to sherry and cooking sherry? Yes, okay. that's exactly what it is. Although they are made in very different ways. Right, right, right. Yes, marsala is the same way. It is also a fortified wine that's made in Sicily, has a long tradition, and unfortunately has not yet made a comeback. Sherry and Madeira have. What about Cooking Mad Dog 2020? You know, there is no Cooking Thunderbird. <laughs> oh, um, and Bartles and James has yet to catch on. Um, although I think the peach wine cooler is really amazing. Strawberry Hill, Boone's Farm. I uh, really could to- add something great to your... I'll yeah. stick to my uh, cooking Sun Country. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Sun Country. Yeah, sweet Sun Country was so you had Seagram Sun Seagram Country Sun and Bartles and James, Bartles right? And James. Bartles yep. and James was like the high class. That's one, right. Right? Was it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, Sun Country was. No, that was totally trash. Well, that explains why I bought it. Well, I, was I guess drinking... I didn't buy it. This is such a U.S. conversation. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> the international audience is like, "What are they talking?" It's about? for their own good, though. Yes. that they don't know what You're it is. You're so lucky you don't. It was disgusting. It was of an age. So vineyards on the island of Madeira are 490 hectares or 1,210 acres. It's not that much. That's all there is for all of Madeira. Normally, I would say history is very interesting. And if you're not a history buff, you're somebody that gets bored when I start talking about history, it would be fine to fast forward. Madeira is a hundred. The Romans conquered it and brought wine. No, no, no. And Madeira is... You have to listen to the history because it explains why the wine is made the way that it is. First of all, Madeira is a remote island. So in until- um, it's an archipelago. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. God, you've already learned so much. Yes. It was discovered in 1419 by a Portuguese captain. Now, remember that this was sort of at the beginning of the age of exploration. Having been to what the Portuguese and Europeans considered the edge of the world, it really makes a lot of sense. If you ever go to Portugal, I highly encourage you to go to either Sagres or one of the other areas that is considered sort of the end point. San Vicente or something. That's down in the very south western part of the right. country. If you go to the coast, when you it look feels out... feels like the end of the world. Really, when you look out at the ocean, you feel a sense... By the way, you could do this on Long Island or on Cape Cod or places like that too, but it really means a lot in Portugal. When you look out over the ocean, you realize that people had no idea and they were worried that when you sailed, you would drop off the face of the earth. So it does make a lot of sense that these explorers, it was amazing when they're charting a path a little bit south and they come across Madeira. Okay, you can't compare staring into the abyss from Portugal and from Cape Cod. I love Cape Cod. Gorgeous. But in Provincetown, you can't see anything for miles and miles. That's you don't right. know what's but there. But in Portugal, you are standing on these cliffs. That's true. So there's this added element to it of yes. risk and danger true. and definitive endness, right? Yes. It would take something just to get the boat down there. Oh, my God. But anyway, Madeira was not discovered until 1419. At that point, Madeira's location in the middle of the Atlantic made it a strategic port of call because it was a place that people could stop. It's 600 miles 
1,100 kilometers away, or I think it's 620 miles actually, away from Portugal. So you sail out from Portugal and you need a place to stop. Madeira is a perfect place to do that. Refuel. Get food. So -hmm. they started growing crops. And because it's subtropical, lots of things will grow there. And of course, grapes. They were not native, right? Not to the island of Madeira. No, they were brought from the mainland. As they started planting these grapes and making the wine in the 15th and 16th centuries, that's the 14th and 1500s, you had wine producers shipping things out. And of course, at this point, now we started to have colonies in the Americas. Sometimes what would happen is the producers would send their shipments out and a shipment might come back because it was unsold. Most of it got sold, but occasionally there was a shipment that wasn't sold. And this was called a round trip wine. Hmm. Vino da Roda, wines that have made a round trip. And this is a they totally became, foreign concept to me, unsold wines. Right. They got the wine back and they tasted it and they said, well, could we sell it here? Could we sell it to the Portuguese mainland? Hmm. And what they found is that as the wine made the trip across the equator to the southern hemisphere over these warmer areas and the boat rocked back and forth, it completely changed the flavor of the wine. So it's like cheese. Like bad milk that tastes delicious. It is (laughs) this very strange thing where as the boat rocked and the heat affected the wine, you had a wine that wound up tasting like caramel and dried fruit. So this This, is not like bottle shock, though. No, this is matterized wine. It cooked the wine, essentially, as it was in the The storage, the hull Mm -hmm. of the boat. After the 17th century, you had Portuguese sugar production shifting to Brazil and elsewhere. And at that point, Madeira became the wine island. In the 18th century, this was Madeira's golden age. The American colonies were freaking obsessed with Madeira. They bought 75% of all the wine from Madeira. America did? American colonists were obsessed with Madeira. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. They sold some in Brazil. Mm -hmm. They sold some in the UK or in Britain at the time, Russia. They sold a little bit, but American colonies took 75%. In 1703, the Methuen Treaty was signed, and that gave lighter taxes on trade to English textiles and Portuguese wines. So the English took some of the Madeira. So how were the British involved with the cultivation and sale of Madeira? Well, they weren't. They were buying it because obviously the Portuguese owned the island of Madeira. They were trading, but... But weren't they heavily involved? Didn't they control port? People that controlled port, and we won't get into that too much, were British. They lived in Portugal, or they had trade houses in Portugal. But But this is unrelated to that. No, Madeira is totally separate. In the mid-18th century, mid-1700s, fortification was introduced. So this wine up to then was sometimes spoiled and sometimes just cooked, but the fortification added a stabilization element to the wines to make sure that when they went on the journey, there was no bacterial spoilage. So it was assured that when they reached the colonies, they were going to be in good shape. What's the 
difference between spoiled and cooked? Spoiled would be bacteria gets into the wine, okay? okay. And it makes the wine taste really bad. Sure. For something it could taste like garlic. And you it could get taste something like you could honestly get sick from. Um, you wouldn't necessarily get sick from it. It would taste disgusting. Okay. Cooked is cooked. I mean, the wine has been basically baked, and huh. so it has different flavors. It's not spoiled, okay. but it is cooked in a way. Now, if it's regular wine, it's spoiled. Madeira is a very different wine. And I do want to point out that one of the major events on the road to the American Revolution was when the British seized John Hancock's sloop. Remember the Liberty? Yes. Hancock's boat was unloading 25 pipes of Madeira. That's over 3,000 gallons. 3,000 gallons is 25 pipes. 3,150 gallons, if you want to get precise. And the dispute arose over import duties because Hancock did not want to pay that tax. Sure. If you read anything about the American Revolution, you know about the sloop, the Liberty, and it was Mm -hmm. Madeira that they were fighting over. Hmm. It was a really important product. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, Ben Franklin, John Adams all loved Madeira, documented it in their writings, and allegedly used it to both toast the Declaration of Independence and George Washington's inauguration. Wow. Now, unfortunately, after the mid-19th century, after the 1800s, it was an end to Madeira, basically. What caused that? Well, you had phylloxera, which hit the Did island. That, that affected the grapes of that produced Madeira? Yes, all grapes are affected that were on the native rootstock. Okay. Mildews, which came also from the U.S., yep. that severely reduced production. And then because they couldn't make any money off of the wines and they became less popular and other styles of wine became popular, a lot of the Just island's vineyards... Yeah, a lot of the vineyards were uprooted and converted back to sugar. Oh, wow. After phylloxera, hybrids were planted. Mm -hmm. Prohibition in the U.S. then took over, and there was no market anymore for for Madeira because nobody could buy Madeira in Hmm. the U.S. So that was another blow. And then shipping technology improved, and Madeira wasn't needed as a stopping over point anymore. Hmm. Madeira was relegated to a cooking wine. From this very high point of being completely esteemed. A cooked wine for cooking. Yeah, it was completely forgotten. Right. Hmm. What was its Phoenix moment? In 1988, you mentioned Port, the Symington family, a British family Mm -hmm. of Portugal. But of course, at this point, this branch of the family was Portuguese. They invested in the Madeira Wine Company, which owned a lot of the Madeira brand names, still does today. Then Bartholomew Broadbent, an Englishman, relaunched Madeira and created a market for it in America. He worked very hard to establish the tradition and started making inroads in America in Hmm. 1989. And this was the rebirth of Madeira. Today, Germany, Japan, the U.S., and the U.K., are markets where Madeira has Hmm. grown in popularity. The U.S. is really embracing the tradition again, and it's good to see. I know that's a long thing about history, but that's how the wine was made. So it's super important to understand the history of Madeira. So how did did the characteristics change after phylloxera? There weren't the grapes planted that there were previously. Mm -hmm. Once it made its comeback, did it change from its original form, I guess is what I'm asking. It did, and we will discuss that, yes. I just want to talk about the climate and the land. The climate is subtropical. You're at 32 degrees north latitude. You have fog. 
and rain. The summers are very hot. The winters are pretty warm as well. And you have the trade winds, which are going to blow from the west. Sometimes you will get salinity in the grapes because you're going to have salt water blowing on these vineyards. The north and the south areas of the island have different climates. So on the north side of the island, you have Atlantic winds, and it'll be cooler, Mm -hmm. more humid. The vineyards have to be enclosed by hedges to protect them. It's going to be rougher conditions. Rougher conditions, Mm -hmm. right. The south is warm and sunny, and it's protected Protected by by the northern islands. Exactly, exactly. It's a volcanic island, lots of hills. Erosion can be a major issue here because you do have steep land. The microclimates are going to change with altitude and the proximity to the sea and the coast. There's a bunch of different microclimates. It's going to determine what is planted where and the flavors. It basically rains every day. So they do have a lot of disease pressure here, of course. Those mildews continue to be a problem. As I mentioned, the soils are volcanic. They can be quite fertile, which so is not like always Etna. great. No, it's a dead volcano. Oh, it's a dormant okay. volcano. There's some sedimentary soils because you're in the island. So, right. of course, some of that seafloor is going to mm-hmm. rise up. The farming and also man has changed the soil. There's been so much farming on the soil that some of the soil quality is pretty poor and they're trying to build it up again. That said, just naturally, some of the soils are very acidic. They're rich in minerals and iron and they're poor in potassium. All of that is going to lead to really high acidity in the wines, which is perfect for Madeira, which we'll talk about when we talk about the flavor. The thing that I need you to remember, no matter how sweet the wine is, the acidity is very powerful given what I just said about the soil types and about the island itself. So does the acidity counteract the sweetness? Yes. As in all really high quality sweet wines, Sauternes, Tokai, mm-hmm. all of the wines of made of Riesling, the sweet wines made of Riesling, the high acidity will counteract that sweetness to give you a totally different flavor on the finish where even though the sweetness was there, it appears to be a lot less sweet because of the high acidity. This mountainous interior of the island, 65% of the island is covered by slopes of 25% grade or more. When you, when you say island, so it, you said there were four islands. So are, is One it, are, makes wine, Madeira. Well, how many make wine? What, Madeira. Just one? Okay. Yes, Madeira. Thank you for clarifying that. So these are tiny plots and they have to be terraced with poyosh. I think that's how you say it. Poyosh or terraces. These are basalt walls. Of course, they're basalt because it's a volcanic island. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Doro. I mean, it's hand harvested. It's really expensive to grow grapes here. That's why Madeira can be very expensive. Of course, it's also not that much wine is produced. On south-facing slopes, they're going to use a pergola system especially those at 350 to 800 meters, which are very high. That's 1,150 to 2,625 feet of altitude. They are worried about fungus and rot. So they've got to have the vineyards on trellises. Of the yes, yep. these latara. They're going to raise the canopy off the ground, like in Vigno Verde, to keep the grapes dry and keep the moisture away from them. So, like the opposite of collage. Yes. So instead of having them really close to the ground right. to protect them from salt spray, here you got to dry them out. That's funny. Yes. Okay. And Vigno Verde is the same. They also have irrigation because although it's humid and it does rain, sometimes it's not enough. So 
they have these man-made irrigation channels called lavadash, and that gives an equal distribution of water. I believe they are allowed to irrigate these grapes. It is also important to understand the vineyard structure, which is that the wineries, and by the way, there's only about 12 that make Madeira. What? Yes. That's it? That's it. Well, remember, there's only 1,200 acres. I guess you're right. Yeah. Most of the wineries don't own the land. They're going to buy grapes from wine growers, and most of those wine growers are growing other agricultural products. Are they stratified in terms of quality? No, and everybody's got their growers. The average grower owns less than half an acre of wine growing land. These producers buy grapes that don't own the land. Mm -hmm. We'll take a step away from the podcast to thank our sponsors this week, Wine access. So many of you have written to me and said, I just love the wines from Serge Doré from the Wine Access Wine for Normal People Wine Club. These are the kinds of wines that you can gain access to if you join the Wine Access Wine for Normal People Wine Club by going to wineaccess.com slash normal. We have another shipment coming up later this year that will be perfect for the holidays. I hand select all of the wines. I do the videos for them and I also write a personal note to talk about why I have selected each of those wines. Wine Access is an amazing group of people who are sourcing wine you cannot find elsewhere. Wine Access is really about gaining access to excellent wines. And you can do that and you can get 10% off your first order if you go to wineaccess.com slash normal to join the wine club or wineaccess.com slash WFNP. That will bring you to a page of wines that I have selected. As the holidays are coming up, I would highly recommend that you think about ordering these wines in time for Thanksgiving. It is already September and now is the time to start thinking about that. The wine club will satisfy the needs for Thanksgiving. Start thinking about ordering those wines today. Wineaccess.com slash WFMP, 10% off your first order. Please support them. They help keep this podcast going and I just love them. They're great to work with. Also, You know who's great to work with? You, the listeners, patrons on Patreon. Hey, even today, this podcast wouldn't be here without patron Keith S. making the recommendation to cover this topic. I've already mentioned so much about Patreon, but if you would please think about joining, supporting the community, keeping this podcast going, and keeping the work that we do alive, that is what the patrons do. And in return, they get an incredible community with so much much to offer posts almost every single day from me and from other people in the community, go to patreon.com slash wine for normal people, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash wine for normal people and see what it's all about for as little as $2 a month. You get to join this amazing community. And don't forget, new classes are going to be posted at wineforNormalPeople.com slash classes. Hey, the weather's getting colder. It's not always fun to go out on a Saturday night. Why don't you have a nice night in? Grab a friend, grab a few bottles of the wine and dork out on a country, a region, a type of wine, learn something and have some really terrific bottles. You buy the wines locally, you sip them with the group and you learn so much. Another way to get together with a community of fantastic wine lovers and feel like you're a part of something. Wineforormalpeople.com/classes. Now let's get back to the show. 
the grapes are really interesting because most of the production is, I'm going to get back to the question that you had before about the grapes and how things changed after phylloxera. After phylloxera, the grape Tinta Negra Mole was introduced. Before phylloxera, there were about six or seven main grapes. Okay. But after phylloxera, they planted Tinta Negra or Tinta Negra Mole. It's got a thick skin. It is high yielding. It is incredibly vigorous. And after phylloxera, because they did not plant the grapes that we're about to talk about, they planted a lot of Tinta Negra. The wines were, let's say, mislabeled with the noble grape varieties. They were all Tinta Negra, but they were labeled with the noble grapes. They were considered to be wine styles instead of the actual grapes. Mm. So if you said Circial, that meant that it was dry, it was all Tinta Negra. Hmm. If you said it was Malmsey, it would be sweet, but it was Tinta Negra. You're not getting away with that today. No. Today, 85% of what goes in to a labeled wine has to be that varietal that conforms to EU standards. Modern Madeira that has no varietal label, you can assume is Tinta Negra this grape that is really not a great grape for Madeira compared to the others. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means it's not great compared to the others. The top grapes, Cercial, Verdelo, Bual, Malvasia, and then there are some rare ones, Tarantes, Bastardo, and Moscatel. So Cercial is dry, what you are drinking. You're going to have almond and citrus. Will you describe it? Herb notes? It was incredible with almonds, though. Caramel and dry yes, fruit. We caramel had a cheesecake yes. also. This, oh, this the cheesecake. Yes. yes. This is an excellent pairing with things like lighter cheeses and things like that. We'll talk about but pairings later. But you know what? It is good on its own. I could see myself sitting in, in a dark tavern on a cold night drinking some of this. That You're would a colonist. Be, yes, exactly. You're an absolute yes, colonist. I would be up in Williamsburg. Yeah, having right. a glass of this. I like how you say Williamsburg and not Boston. You know where your mom's Boston. from. Yeah, your mom's from there. So I feel like you should really connect with that. Anyway, this grape is late ripening. It's the last to be harvested. It matures very slowly. And it has lower alcohol before fermentation, which is kind of counterintuitive because it does have a longer ripening season. But the grape itself just doesn't ripen to high alcohol levels or high sugar levels. Okay. It has very little residual sugar. Actually, on the mainland in Portugal, it's called Eshgana Cow, which means dog, dog. strangler. Cow is dog, right? Right. Yeah. Dog strangler in oh, Lisboa because the acidity is so high. Oh, my God. That's right. funny. Astringency and acidity, that's Circeal. That's why it makes such a great fortified wine because hmm. the acidity is so cleansing and bright and fresh. You get those herbal aromatics. I mean, I almost feel like fortified wine is a misnomer. Well, it's for fortified it. by alcohol. I it's, know. You know, but, we're going to talk about how it's made. But so. my impression of fortified wines is uh, maybe it, maybe that's just my ignorance. But Well, I mean, you I, like port. You yeah, like I, port is fortified. A vendu naturel is fortified. This is fortified. Yeah, it's just it's so clean tasting, though. Madeira especially is very clean tasting. Actually, all fortified wine that has good acidity and all sweet yeah. wine that has good acidity is not what people think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the key. But this is not sweet. 
No. That's, so that's the other thing. Cerciel is not a sweet wine. And even Verdelo, which is the next wine that we'll discuss, is only slightly sweet. And it is really good with a lot of different kinds of foods, which, again, we'll talk about in a second. But Cerciel, just to wrap that up, I mean, it's found on the north side at lower altitudes and some at the south side at higher altitudes. It does very well in a bit of a cooler climate. Mm-hmm. Verdelo is the next one. Verdelo is actually used in a lot of different wines on the Portuguese mainland. But this is a medium dry style or off dry. Again, incredibly high in acidity. The difference in Verdelo and Cercial, little sweeter, spicy. And you still get those roasted nuts and caramel. But now we're talking about grilled peaches and tropical notes and a little bit of honey. It's fuller bodied than Cercial. This is an early your ripening grape and the fermentation is halted a little bit earlier than Cerciel so you are going to get more sugar and you will also get some smoky notes and dried fruit because it's the nature of the grape but again acidic very very acidic it is pretty widely grown in Madeira pre-phylloxera it was two-thirds of what was grown on Madeira so if you think about the founding fathers most likely they were drinking a lot of wines made from the Verdelo grape. Hmm. It's on the north and south sides of the island, and it is still the white with the largest area under vine, especially on the north coast. Then we have Torontes. Now, this is not Torontes. Right, I was going to say, that's this is No, no, this is a different grape, okay. Torontes, T-E-R-R-A-N. Oh, Torontes, not Torontes. T-E-Z, right, okay. Torontes, like Terra. Right. Different. Tarantes was almost extinct. It's now making a comeback. It is between Verdelo and the next grape, Boal, in style. Very hard to grow. It's fragile. It's prone to rot. It's late ripening. The rains could come. So my and ruin it. Low Tarantes bumper sticker is paying off. Yes. Yes. Good. Absolutely. It's Excellent. grown on the south side. It is apparently, I've never had it, incredibly complex, considered the best of the Madeiras. It's really only grown in two spots. So we can't afford it. Got it. I actually have never looked into buying it, but it is really rare. We should probably look for some. The dry wines are generally separated from the skins prior to fermentation and made like white wines. The sweeter wines, Boal and Malmsey or Malvasia, are fermented on their skins, even though they are whites. That's to increase some phenols. So that's going to balance the sweetness. So they will have a bit of tannin. So the tannin, that's mm-hmm. uh, yep. Okay. But not a whole lot because they're white grapes. Boal or Boal, B-U-A-L or B-O-A-L. This is actually Malvasia Fina in the Douro or Dao. We would consider this to be a sweet wine, but it's caramel and raisins, chocolate notes, mocha, that coffee mm-hmm. flavored dried fruit. It's got a roasted nut note. That's pretty strong, great acidity, a really long finish. Bual can be grown in warm locations on the south side of the island. It is fairly easy to grow, vigorous, and it ripens early. Malvasia, which the British called Malmsey, or maybe the Americans (laughs) did, is a style of wine. It's not a single grape. It's a bunch of different grapes. Malvasia is really a family of grapes. Anytime you hear Malvasia, it's often not just one type, but a bunch. This is the sweetest of the Madeiras. They're dark in color. They're amber. They are mocha, vanilla, caramel, nuts, and honey, and dried fruit. 
very strongly flavored, very sweet, but that high, high, high acidity makes them seem very different from just a regular cloying sweet wine. Malvasia was the first grapes planted on Madeira and made unbelievable wines with this butterscotch, marmalade, toffee, nutty note. They are grown on the north side of the island. And these wines, especially the old Malvasias, mm-hmm. are incredibly rare and incredibly expensive. Because of the acidity, is it better with food? Well, it's incredibly sweet, so you're going to want to pair it with desserts okay. mainly. And again, we'll talk about food pairings in a second. I do want to get to the winemaking. Bastardo, which is also called Trousseau in the Jura, mm-hmm. it's made in very, very small quantities And it is very rare and very, very expensive. You also see some Moscatel, again, rare and expensive. Right. Let's talk about how this wine is made today. We talked about the boat, and I just want to be clear, they're not made on that boat anymore. They're not made, like, on the sloops anymore. They had to figure out something. Yeah. Probably health code violations. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. Madeira's got a trio. There's oxygen, time, and heat. That's the holy trinity of Madeira. This is how the wine's made. You destem the grapes, press the juice. I talked about the maceration before. So with the dry wines, they will not macerate. They will take the grapes off of the skins because mm-hmm. they want a lighter flavor. And with the sweeter wines, they will likely use the skins. With Tinta Negra, they will do both. Then they will ferment it in stainless steel. Pretty easy, right? Okay. Sounds familiar. The fermentation is stopped by adding neutral grape alcohol, 96% alcohol, pure alcohol. And once you hit the sweetness level you want, you stop the fermentation right there. Really? Adding alcohol stops the fermentation? Yes. It will kill the yeast. I guess. Remember, well, yeast are suicide yeah, they, yeah, machines. Yeah, they're suicide machines. Yeah. Okay. Huh. That fortification is going to leave the wine at 175 to 22% alcohol. What they're trying to do in the process of making this wine is mimic those sea voyages across the equator. So they've got to oxidize the wine in heat over time. And wines are going to be categorized by the method and the length of aging as well as the grapes. How do you oxidize it? The goal here is to age the wines and you're either going to do it in a wood cask in a natural system called Cantero, or you're going to use a stufagem. The Cantero method is used for high-quality Madeira. You don't use artificial heat at all. This was the first system to try to replicate the process of heating wine, and you're really just using the heat of the sun to warm the barrels after fortification. Hmm. You fortify after fermentation, And then you transfer the wine into wooden casks. They're rather large, 300 to 650 liters. And then you put the wine in attics where there are special tiles that are going to radiate heat. Oh, interesting. You're going to mature them in these casks for a minimum of two years. This is, remember, a subtropical climate. It's going to be hot. You're going to get this concentrated wine The angel's share will be about 5%. You know, that evaporation out of the barrels is going to be about 5%. And they don't keep the casks 100% full. So you have this slow oxidation. The aromas start to Mm. transform into what we described. This long period of time is expensive. So producers, 
that use the Cantero method are going to charge more for it. Now, after a couple of years at the highest and warmest levels, they're going to bump them down to lower floors that are a little cooler to complete the aging. But some of these wines can stay in the Cantero system for 20 years. What? Yeah. That's incredible. These are truly matterized wines. They are cooked by the sun. Wow. Then you have the other method, estufagem. These are used for wines that are not meant for long aging. You use the Cantero method for wines that are aged for usually 10 or more years. Estuvagem wines are bulk aging in stainless steel or concrete tanks, and they are basically surrounded by jackets that contain conduits for hot water. You will maintain a temperature of 45 to 50 degrees Celsius, which is 104 to 122 degrees Fahrenheit, for a minimum of 90 days. Now, before we talked about 300 liters or 800 liters, Mm -hmm. these will hold 20,000 to 100,000 liters, and the hot water is going to circulate constantly around this container. And in a short three months, you will have those caramel notes and some other things. Now, Lest you think this is a modern thing, the system actually of Estuvagem dates back to 1794. Think about this. There was a lot of demand in the American colonies and in England for Madeira, and they needed to figure out how to do this quickly and economically Mm -hmm. to make this wine aged in a short period of time where they could get it out and not have to wait years and years to make this happen in the Cantero. So- First of all, it was bonfires. They heated the warehouses with bonfires. How dangerous is that? Very dangerous. And then they used water tubes over wooden vats of Brazilian wood, which there's a lot of tanks made of Brazilian wood Mm -hmm. because Brazil was a colony. Right. We saw them in collage. Yes. Again, they were able to replicate some of the qualities of the Vinho de Roda. Now, Cantera was still much preferred, but people were able to get these wines. If we think about how popular Madeira was, Christie's began selling old, fine Madeiras in 1776. So they really needed to make sure there was enough wine to go around. The Estufa system is used by a lot of the top Madeira brands because it is for the younger wines. So it's, it's important just to understand it is used for wines that aren't meant to age for a long time or be held. So after you're done baking the wine, you test the wine for quality and potential for longer aging. Mm-hmm. If you decide that you're going to age the wine for longer, there are designations. In a way, Madeira is like port with some of the ages on the port. So it's blended across, of course, different vineyards because they're so small and you have to blend them if you're going to have any quantity. And then some different vintages with an average or minimum age on the aging that we're going to talk about. And then there's the frascara, which is the vintage. It won't say vintage on the bottle. It'll say frascara. So that's a little bit different. But let me get into that now. After you're finished cooking them, you will put them in a barrel. They can be 3, 5, 10, 15, or vintage Madeira, which is aged for a minimum of 20 years. Here's some confusing stuff for you. Please remember this, MCI. So if you go shopping for Madeira. Okay. It's not going to take much. Remember. A wine labeled as finest. Yeah. Aged for three years. Mm-hmm. It is a basic wine. It is not their finest wine. Okay. That sounds like false advertising. 
Reserve. If it is labeled with one of the noble grapes, Cersei Alverdelo, Boal, or Malvasia, Torrantes, it has to be aged for at least five years. Okay. That is the minimum requirement. Finest, 15 minutes. Yes. Reserve, five years. Got it. Special reserve. That's what we're drinking right now. Yeah. 10 years. All right. Aged in Cantero. It's obviously of a little bit higher quality. Extra reserve over 15 years. This is a little so more extra is better than special. Yes. What's interesting is that this is a weird category because vintage or frascara is what people get a lot of money for. So why would you age it for 15 years and do an extra reserve? Most producers are going to extend the aging five more years for a vintage and they're going to get more money for it. Okay. Extras richer and, and more mm-hmm. flavorful than the special reserve. But if you're going to go that far, you might as well go to the Frascara, where it's aged 19 years in cask, one year in bottle, sold when it's 20 years old. There's one other type, which is Colaita or Harvest. These are wines from a single vintage. They're aged for a shorter period of time than vintage Madeira. They can be labeled with the year, but they will say colaita on them, and they are age-worthy. How often are the vintage Madeiras made? Are they made every year? I am not sure. I think that they are not made every year. Just, I think it's in just the better literally years. literally like champagne. With yeah. The, well, the, port. The best, oh, it port, would be right. like port. Yeah. yeah. I believe they're only made in the best years. Okay. But vintage Madeira, just so you know, it can survive for centuries. Okay. And still be in excellent condition. Not a I think I said at the house, beginning, <laughs> you know, there are vintages dating back to the 1780s that people have. There's a 1715 Tarantes. There are 150 year old Madeiras for sale at stores that specialize wow. in rare wines. Are you serious? Yes. And especially in America, because these wines have been bumping around for a long time. When they are open, they're still good. And by the way, once you open them, Vintage Madeiras can last for years. It's not just a quick thing. So no press and seal needed is what you're saying. No press and seal. Wow. No press and seal. I do want to be clear that if nothing is said on the bottle, no finest, nothing. Then it's the best of all. Then it is. No, then it is the Tinta Negra. It's the donkey. Yeah, it's it's kind of a donkey. Rainwater wine. Speaking of a bit donkey. This is lighter then Verdelo, it's Tinta Negra. Okay, there's two stories about why it's called rainwater. One is that the vines were dependent on rainwater for survival. They didn't use irrigation. I don't know, but they've got those okay. irrigation canals, right. so I'm not really sure. But the other theory is is pretty funny. So this is a shipment that was supposed to go to the colonies. It was sitting on the docks in Savannah, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it rained really hard. Mm -hmm. The rain got into the barrels. Rather than dump the wines, the merchant said, this is a new style. It's, oh my gosh. It's rainwater. Madeira. Um, and the It's the more chuggable version. Yes, and they liked it. So <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's lighter. A, it's Madeira light. Yes. So going back to ultra. the wine cooler Maybe discussion ultra, and yes. the American palate yep. and all mm-hmm. of that. So if you're going to have Madeira, which I highly recommend you do because it is delicious, you want to serve the drier style, so that's Cerciel and Verdelo, at around 9 to 10 degrees Celsius or 48 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. Medium sweet to sweet wines, 15 to 
18 degrees Celsius or 59 to 64 degrees Fahrenheit. So you want to serve them a bit warmer so you can get some more flavors. You don't really need to decant these wines. Remember, they're cooked. They don't need the air necessarily. And the other thing, unless they're very old, of course, all, all old wines need a little bit of time. Well, next time we open one from 1600, we'll, right. we'll but air it I just, out a little bit. That Borge that we just had, we've had it for four months. It's still delicious. Really? Four months? <laughs> yeah. We've had it for okay. four months. It's just been sitting Never open in the guessed. closet. No. Nope. Once these wines are When you say opened, had, it's been open for four months. It has been open right. for four months. And once you open them, if they're high quality, mm -hmm. meaning this was a special reserve, you got a lot of time to drink these. So it's really nice in that way. As long as you buy a higher quality one, you can take your time drinking it. And I'm talking about months and months. We have waited many months and forgotten so where, where about where it and had it back. This? Oh, hmm. it was in the back of the closet, hmm. you know, where I hide all the wine. Hmm. Next to the Halloween candy? No, ew, <laughs> that's already gone. You got to throw that. That goes bad way sooner than Madeira does. I'll tell you that. Food pairings. Just want to give some help here if you're going to do it. I mean, cheesecake. Cheesecake, 100% for Cersei. So Madeira has high acidity. It's a great pairer. If you're going to have the dry wines, you can have it with cheesecake or lighter cheeses, but you can also have it with olives and cured meats and ham, dried fruits and nuts, hazelnuts and almonds and walnuts and things like that with a little bit of sweetness mm -hmm. on them. Those are perfect for Cercial. Onions and garlic dishes are good hmm. for both Verdelo and Cercial. Verdelo is good with smoked fish. Boal, which is medium sweet, that's going to go really well with things like with cloves or cinnamon, fennel, dark chocolate desserts, mm -hmm. jam tarts, tropical fruit, things with figs and walnuts and dates, plums. And you can also do Malvasia or Malmsey with those same types of desserts, but those also do really well with strawberries and pineapple and puddings like bread pudding oh, yeah. or tiramisu, coffee, ice cream. Malvasia has this coffee note to it. Honey desserts are also really good. Blue cheese. So Malvasia has that ability to go with things that are a little bit richer and especially that coffee note. Tarantes, because it's so rare, it is recommended that you just have it on its own. Okay. Don't serve it too cold. And as I said, just to wrap up, there are only 13 Madeira brands and four of them are owned by one company. So you have H.M. Borges, which we love. That's the one we had when we were in Portugal. Mm, we drink that right, here. We right. love it. And mostly what you're going to see is Broadbent, the Madeira Wine Company. You'll see Blandies. Yep. And occasionally you might see the Enriquez in Enriquez. So that is Madeira. I know that it is a little confusing because the production methods are very confusing, but I think it's an important wine. I hope that maybe this inspires you to try it, especially because... It is something, first of all, that goes really nicely with desserts or with aperitifs yeah, or don't nuts, Don't the fact cheese. that it's fortified scare you. It it's lasts delicious. a long time. The risk is kind of low. You can dip in and dip out, mm -hmm. right? That's right. That is Madeira. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.